Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. You know, we were, we were proclaiming the, the supernatural power of God. And it's good and it's right. But there are times when those proclamations come head on against an impossible situation. And, and that's when we need faith to rise up on the inside of us. That this is not just a good spiritual concept but this is truth. And we, we ask the Lord to give us the courage and the boldness to stand firm against the situation that is the exact opposite of what we're believing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, 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 takes, it takes us to surrender our minds to truth with a capital T. Yeah? So a couple of situations that I know about that are absolutely dire in terms of what's going on in people's health right now. And, and those situations we're praying into, it's like unless God comes through, there's not a lot of hope in the natural. But he's the God of all hope. Yeah. And so it's not because we're such amazing people and we sort of try and stir it up. No, we submit to him. Our strength comes from him. Our strength doesn't come from puffing ourselves up. Does it make sense? You know, you've got to try and crank it up and work it up and then you become a powerful Christian. No, we'll never become a powerful Christian. He is the powerful one. And so we actually come under him, submit to him, and then his power flows. Yeah? And so it, it takes an enormous amount of courage and faith to come into the places, Lord, I trust you. These things are, are, are wanting to declare the exact opposite of what you say, but I trust you. That's where faith really kicks in. Yeah. And so because we are people of the faith, we're going to have many opportunities to actually step into this. And we say, Lord, we want to grow our faith. Remember the disciples, they prayed that. Prayed that Lord, increase our faith. Whew, dangerous prayer. Yeah, because the Lord has his way of teaching us how to grow in faith is to give us more challenges. It's kind of like, what's wrong with my faith? No, 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 you asked for more faith, now you're in school. So that you can grow, you can expand, you can rise above, yeah? And it's, it's, you see, sometimes people get the exact wrong conclusion so like I prayed for the Lord to intervene and now it's got worse. So, you know, maybe God's power is less or maybe this is something that I shouldn't be believing or shouldn't be going after. And of course the enemy is going to chirp in your ear as well. It's kind of like, yeah, no, this is definitely impossible. So just give up now. But he's the God of the impossible. And so we don't want to come to the wrong conclusion to say, well, this is... You know, this is never going to happen. It's impossible. We want to step into the place of, okay, Lord, with man, this is impossible. But with you, all things are possible. So we want to be on your side.
and we invite you to intervene in the situation. Yeah? Okay. And this is the world we're in. The, the, this, these are the most exciting times to be alive because there's just chaos breaking out everywhere. Yeah? It's, it's like, you know, the soldiers, they were surrounded and they sent a message to the commanding officer. It's like, what should we do? We surrounded on all sides. He said, that's fantastic. Now you can attack them on all sides. We're surrounded by chaos. Fantastic. We're surrounded by opportunities for God to come through. We need to change our perspective, change our mindset. We're not victims. Come on. It's so easy for us to come under. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, well, under the circumstances. It's kind of like, no, no, let's not come under anything. The only thing we're under is him. And he's calling us to be overcomers, to rise above. And as we've noted many times before, in order to be an overcomer means that there's probably some kind of an obstacle in your way and you're trying to go on your journey. To be an overcomer, you've got to come up and over to be an overcomer. Too many people are saying, Lord, just cause this obstacle to just vaporize, disappear. He says, no, 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 I've got it there on purpose so that you can be stronger and be an overcomer because he's coming back for overcomers. All right. So, the last few weeks, we've been doing a little bit of a journey, basing ourselves in the first portion of the book of Acts. And this miraculous intervention where Peter and John are being just good spiritual boys, they're just off to go and pray. And they get interrupted by a beggar. Sometimes the nuisance and the inconvenience is actually a God interruption. And so this nuisance actually becomes the doorway to a supernatural intervention that changes and shakes things profoundly. Come on, after the death, burial, and resurrection, the establishment thought they'd done away with Jesus. You know, because after about 40 days, he did disappear from their sight. And so they thought, problem over. And it was this miracle where this guy who's crippled from birth he gets healed in the name of Jesus. And the supernatural thing shakes the establishment of the day. 
and those poor sad UCs. Okay, and you all know why they're sad. They were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And Peter, I mean, he just jumps all over this thing. Yeah. And he says, listen, the one that you crucified, you try to kill the author of life, the author of life, and you guys are Sadducees, you don't believe in the resurrection, you don't believe in the supernatural crashing into this world, well, guess what? It's the name of the one who you killed but who was raised again, so there's resurrection, it's because of him that this miracle has happened. This sign points and proves the resurrection. And these poor guys are kind of like shaken. Their mindsets are being turned around. Because that's what repentance is. The, the, the root understanding in the Greek word of repentance is to change. So they had to change their mindset. They had to repent. Some did, some didn't. It's astounding. Even when a miracle smacks them in the face, some of them couldn't repent. They were so ingrained in their previous mindset that even the supernatural wouldn't change them. But for those with eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive, they underwent a massive shift. Didn't believe in resurrection? Oh my goodness, there's resurrection. We're living in an age right now where the Lord is shaking things and causing mindsets to be turned around. These are exciting days. We're surrounded by chaos everywhere, which are golden opportunities for God's supernatural intervention to come breaking into this world in answer to our prayers. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's going on in heaven? What are we praying that would come and be released on the earth? It wasn't just, you know, this is a nice cute little prayer to pray. It's actually a statement of warfare. It's about takeover. It's about conquest. It's about his kingdom taking over the kingdoms of this world. This is radical, radical, I mean, get you locked up in jail kind of a statement. The Romans were occupying Palestine. The Romans were in charge of the city of Jerusalem. And Caesar... Is Lord. Caesar is Lord. And now you're saying Jesus is Lord? Whoo! We'll get you beaten for that. So praying for his kingdom to come, the king 
of the kingdom was establishing his rule and his reign. These are subversive statements. This is wild stuff. This is not cute little bedtime prayers. This is radical, radical, confrontational prayer that we're praying. We're involved in spiritual warfare when we pray these prayers. So what are we expecting to happen as a result of these prayers? Because whatever Jesus asks us to do, he's not doing it just sending us on a wild goose chase. There's very specific intentionality in Jesus' plans and purposes. And his plans and purposes always will be fulfilled, always prevail. Because he's God. Fortunately, he helped us by giving us the end of the story while we're still in the middle. You know, like you watch a movie, you're not too sure how it's going to end. Like, should we carry on watching this? It's getting a little bit kind of like, or whatever in the middle. Yeah? Maybe it's tedious. Maybe it's scary. Maybe it's, you're just kind of like, oh, I don't know how this is going to work out. And you skip to watch the end of the movie. Come on, some of you do this, yeah? You watch the last five minutes to see, do they actually make it out of there alive? Yeah, and then you know that, okay, they, they, they're not all going to die. Okay, the hero wins. Okay, then you go back to, and then you say, okay, now I, can get, now I can go through it. Because I know what the outcome's going to be. Okay? All right. Or you kind of, you stop midway, and you're kind of like, okay, what's the script? And you Google and you find out how it's going to be, right? Okay. So God knew that this is like part of the way in which we operate. So he gave us the end of the story in the book of Revelation. It gives us an insight. He says, John, come up here. I'm going to show you things to come. And there's a time when they're all bowing down. And they make these massive declarations. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. In other words, the very prayer that Jesus prayed, heaven on earth, the kingdoms of this world have become, in other words, they've been overcome, they've been taken over by God's kingdom. And everybody's going like absolutely crazy in heaven. Victory dance. Worship party. Just like great celebration. Because what had been prophesied and what had been prayed into and all of the saints who have been praying this prayer for generation after generation after generation saw this prayer being fulfilled. So that all the generations might benefit from the rewards. It's not just the final generation, it's all the generations that prayed the prayer. Don't worry if you're in the last generation or not. Don't worry about it. There's still going to be reward. So the prayers, let your kingdom come, your will be done 
finally, yes, it happens. This is amazing. Some Christians are going to have a massive shaking in their mindsets, just like the Sadducees had a shaking in their mindsets. They were sincere. They were just sincerely wrong. (laughs) But they were devout. They were God-fearing, but they had paradigms, they had mindsets that weren't spot on. And God crashes into their world and gives them supernatural signposts to point them, hey, chaps, move along. Move along in your theology. Move along in your understanding. Move along in your expectations of what I can do. And so he shakes them with a supernatural encounter. He didn't only do that for the Sadducees. He also did that for his followers. You know, you know people. You know, you you know Christians. Because I can't be talking about you. They've got a mindset that limits their understanding and knowledge of God and it limits their expectation and their faith of what God will do now and in the future. And those limitations, if we want to go from glory to glory and, you know, it He said that we would go from glory to glory and ever-increasing glory, right? We know that God's put a hunger inside of us, uh, even as we're worshiping, Lord, fall afresh on me. That we want more of the Lord. Lord, take us further, take us higher. You know, sometimes there are mindsets that limit our expectation or anticipation of what God can do which causes a limitation on our faith and our expectation of what God wants to do here, now. So a heap of Christians have borrowed from Greek philosophy, Socrates and Plato, who understood, this is false now, I'm giving you the false, okay? They falsely understood that the world was evil And the only way to experience goodness, nirvana, was to escape this planet. And so you had to, in your spirit being, leave this earth and become one, oneness, union. And there seem to be some similarities with Christianity, but there's some fundamental differences. Because the world was evil and, 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 I mean, how could God even come to the earth? That was like a massive, they couldn't get past that mental hurdle. Like that God would come. I mean, the planet is like, stinks. God would never come. It absolutely blew the minds. 
that God himself would come and live on the earth. He's coming and confronting a philosophy of the day. Not just that day, but even of our day. But this thing that you had to escape the earth and one day we'll get to heaven and all will be perfect. And so many Christians have an incorrect understanding which is taken from Greek philosophy which is to escape this planet and we're all looking forward to heaven one day. And they put everything into the future where it will be perfect. Not understanding that he said that we should pray today, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not understanding hmm, heaven is like a waiting room. A temporary place for those who believe. And then heaven is going to Yeah, that same thing that we were in the book of Revelation. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That same book that you all said, yes, that's amazing. Yes, we agree. Hmm? Chapters 21 and 22 speak about the heavenly Jerusalem coming down onto earth. Okay. Some people's mindsets are going to be absolutely shattered and broken because they don't actually have comprehension that God's kingdom is going to overcome the kingdoms of this world. Not the kingdoms of the world to come, the kingdoms of this world. I'm already broken a few mindsets. It's kind of like I can see. It's okay. We'll come back to it. Is that not really the main point of my message? See if I can bring you back. The the twelve had many times when their mindsets were absolutely like shaken and rattled. And very often it was in an uncomfortable environment or in chaos, in a storm. Like we're in a storm in the world right now. It's like, yeah, yeah, tell us something we didn't know, John. Yeah. Okay. In all of this chaos, it's the perfect opportunity for God to break in and give us a new mindset of what he's doing. For example, Peter. Been with Jesus for three and a half years. And in the middle of this time, when he thinks he knows a few things, he bumps into his own limitations. And then God 
shakes him, confronts him with a supernatural event that causes him to think differently. So for example, he's back in a familiar environment, he's in his boat. And he's happy being in a boat because he grew up as a fisherman. You know, daddy would take him when he was a tiny little tot and they'd go fishing and then we'd go with grandpa and great grandpa. You know, and they had all the stories, they knew all the right fishing spots on Galilee and they knew how to read the, the signs of the, of, the, of the lake and the weather system, the storms and all the rest of it and they knew how to do all of these things. And here he is as a grown man, fully experienced and then they encounter a storm that causes them to lose heart. That is very politically correct, <laughs> to lose heart. They were panicking. Big grown men were panicking for the storm. And in the middle of the storm, and these guys are doing their best to row through the storm, but it's like they're in the gym on one of those rowing machines. And as hard as they pull, they're still in the same place. And they're at it for three hours, and they're still rowing. This is like, are we getting nowhere, guys? What's going on? You know what? Sometimes as believers, we're doing the hardest, the best that we can, knowing what we've always done, like in a situation previously, we were taught row, booty row. <laughs> and we're just doing what we were trained and taught to do, and we're getting nowhere. And it's a massive storm, and we want to get out of the storm. And then Jesus completely freaks them out. He comes along and he's walking on the waves. Waves, not water, waves. You see, we sanitize things in our minds. You know, we just think, okay, boat, beautiful day, bit of a you know, storm, bit of wind, clouds, maybe some rain. Oh, it's night, can't really see what's going on. And, uh, but you know, it's manageable. No, it wasn't manageable. These oaks were scared. <laughs> and, um, and then they think it's a ghost. It's like, guys, sheer terror and panic is taking over us. We're hallucinating. That's how bad this is. It's a ghost. And it's kind of like, oh, that ghost looks like Jesus. Oh, freak me out. Oh. And so Peter decides, you know, to do the, the best test to prove that it's not a ghost. Hey, Jesus, is that you? If it's you, tell me to come. It's like, how on earth <laughs> would that be the test to know it was a ghost or no, it was Jesus? So, yeah, no, that's Jesus. Anyway. So the man who's normally foot in mouth decides to put foot on water. And it's not calm. It's, it is massive waves. Massive waves. We know this to be true because when he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the waves and they were so huge, this is a guy who's grown up on the lake. He's seen water. 
He's seen waves. He probably knows how to swim. But sheer dread and panic fills him. This is how big the waves are. So he's like walking, like walking up and then over the waves. This is not like tra-la-la-la-la, just walking on the water. This is not like people practice on swimming pools. This is crazy stuff. It's kind of, whoa, Jesus, I can't see you. No, Jesus. Because like he's up the wave and then he's down in the trough and then up. This is crazy stuff going on. This is chaos. This is storm. But he's being confronted with impossibilities in the storm. Storms aren't always, don't always result in, in bad results. We like to avoid storms. Storm protection, storm insurance, yeah? The Lord uses storms to test things, to change things. Peter's mindset is completely blown away by the storm. It's like, whoa. He starts thinking Jesus is right there, lifts him up. Hop into the boat. I mean, if one miracle wasn't enough, please pray for the clock to stop. We need another miracle. <laughs> this is only the introduction. <laughs> They walk on water in the middle of a storm. That's a massive miracle, right? That, that he would even have the courage to get out the boat. This is ridiculous stuff. Yeah? They get in the boat and immediately it's calm. This is different from that other storm. The other storm was Jesus was in the boat sleeping. I have to wake him up. Master, don't you care that we were going to perish? He rebukes the storm. He doesn't speak nicely to the storm. Interesting. In the Greek, be muzzled. Stop it. Like we would say, <laughs> if it was a you know, South African translation. But Jesus was not polite to that storm. Yeah. But this is not that storm. This is a different storm. So they've seen storms. They've seen Jesus. This time, he just, as he gets in the boat, just whew, calm. Not only that. Remember that three-hour thing on the treadmill? Immediately, whew, they're at the shore. It's in the text. So they've been rowing for hours, getting nowhere. Jesus set them up for a spiritual encounter. And the supernatural crashes into their world. These oaks are kind of like, oh, who is this one? Who is this one? We've been in storms before. We had the same question. Who is this one? 
And Peter is like, oh my goodness, this is next level. All right? Peter's seen just some crazy things like Mount of Transfiguration. Hey, let's go camping. Let's just stay here. The Transfiguration. He, he's like, Jesus said, hey, have you got a sword? Okay, let's go. This is after the Last Supper. Okay, let's go and pray. So Peter thought, okay, earlier he said, have you got a sword? That's enough. Off they go. And then when the guys come to rest, he just like lops the guy's ear off. But Jesus, didn't you say who's got a sword? Like, wasn't that permission? Armed and dangerous. And Jesus said, no, 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 that's not what we're doing here. Puts the ear on. It's not plastic surgery. There's nothing plastic about this. Heals the ear. No stitches, no more bleeding, perfect. No cauliflowers, nothing. Oak was... Peter's seeing all this. Peter's the guy who runs to the empty tomb. John waits at the door. Peter, it's like, boom. Because that's Peter, you know. He rushes in there. He's seen Jesus crucified. Absolutely distraught. Empty tomb, like mind is blown. What on earth is going on? They have a little caucus meeting that night. And then Jesus, talk about the supernatural crashing into this world. Doors are locked, barred, like no place to get in. And Jesus is he's there, just appears in the middle of them. And again, he has to say, don't be afraid. Peter's experienced all these things. He's experienced Pentecost. It's like, dude, you're on fire. Have you seen your hair? It's like, oh. And they're staggering around like drunk people. And, and this guy who can't even speak to a servant girl a few weeks before, he's now preaching to thousands. And he's saying, you guys did it. You killed him. What should we do? Okay. Repent. Believe. Be baptized. Can you imagine how long that baptism service was? It's like there were 3,000 of them. It's like, they just keep coming. It's like all day. That's a massive baptism service. And they weren't even prepared. It just like spontaneously happened. Praise the Lord that they were in the upper room at nine o'clock when the spirit fell and then the, you know, so the rest of the day to the baptisms. <laughs> Peter's mind is being blown by all these things. And then this guy says, have you got money for us? It's like, no, we don't have any money on us right now. But what we do have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Boom. And that thing 
You see, G Peter had seen people healed before, and his mind was blown. And Jesus said to him, hey guys, when they came back from their mission trip, because they were so excited that the demons were being chased out, and they said, rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. So they'd seen healings, whatever. So his mind already been changed. And then he watches how the Holy Spirit changes the minds of people around them. And the sad you sees had an opportunity to no longer be sad if they believed in the resurrection. Their minds were confronted by the supernatural intervention. And Peter, who's an ordinary guy, Okay, that's the part of the text that we would have looked at. Do we look at it quickly? Otherwise, some of you think like this wasn't a proper church service. <laughs> in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were ordinary, unschooled men, they were astonished and they took note that me, these men had been with Jesus. Ordinary men. Ordinary men. but they'd had a shift and a change of paradigm. And they were involved in the shaking of paradigms of people around them. But Peter, he doesn't stop there. He keeps on because it's glory to glory. Yeah? And Jesus has said, even greater works you guys are gonna do. It's kind of like, how can that be? Limitation, mindset. Well, we get to chapter five. I don't know how this happened the first time, but it must have freaked them out. It went viral. Next thing you know, people are bringing the sick and the crippled and putting their beds and mattresses on the street, on the pavement, knowing that Peter's gonna walk past and his shadow is gonna heal these guys. Like Jesus' shadow didn't heal anyone. This is a greater work. And their minds is kind of, whoa. Okay. It just went, I mean, Twitter went viral. It just lit up. Everybody's kind of, whoa. Let the people come from neighboring towns and they're all coming. And you're like, okay, everybody, we know that Peter goes to pray at about three in the afternoon. So three o'clock, sun setting, make sure that, oh, sorry, dude, you're on the wrong side of the road. No shadow for you. You better come back tomorrow. It's like, make sure you're on the right side. Like, where's the sun? Oh, it's cloudy today. Dang, got to come back tomorrow. There's no shadows. Okay, I made that part up. But it's just like, this is crazy. It's changing their minds. It took supernatural encounters for them to have to have a shift of mindset. Because Jesus said, listen guys, chill out. Hang around in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit will come. You'll be empowered, you'll be my witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You remember that part? There was always the intention that the Holy Spirit was gonna take this ministry further to the ends of the earth. But it took an angel 
speaking to Cornelius in response to his offering. Offering opened the way for revival. Your prayers and your offerings have come up like a memorial. And God says, hey, send for Peter. So he sends for Peter. The Lord, Peter has this crazy dream. Vision, sheet comes down, rise, kill, eat. He heads off to Cornelius' place. He's busy preaching. And God interrupts the preaching. Hallelujah. Lord, would you interrupt the preaching more and more? He's preaching. And while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls down on the Gentiles. And Peter is having these, one of these kind of like whew, mind blow. Just like the religious people, their minds were blown by the cripple being healed. Peter is like, what on earth is happening? Like, it's only, up until this point, only Jews who've heard the good news. And a supernatural event crashes in, creates a massive storm. Peter then has to go back to head office and give explanation to the other heavyweights. Hey, dude, what do you think you're doing going to the Gentiles? And he says, it wasn't my fault, it's God. Blame him. I was just minding my own business, you know, like an angel came, couldn't, you know, like I had to go along, all this kind of stuff. I'm just preaching, and next thing, the Holy Spirit falls on them. So, well, hey, what can, if they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, what stops them from being baptized in water? So they get baptized in water. Yeah? Again, very clearly we can see big distinction between baptized in the Holy Spirit and then they were baptized in water. It's not one and the same thing. Very clearly in that passage in Acts chapter 10. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, the whole New Testament church is shaken in their understanding, their paradigms through the supernatural intervention. Okay, now, what's my point as I wrap it up, just in time for afternoon tea? In the chaos that we're facing in the world right now, in our nation, in the nations of the world, perfect opportunity for God to break in with supernatural interventions. And what he's going to do, he's going to cause us to shed restrictive mindsets, limitations that we've put on ourselves, limitations that we've put on, quote unquote, the body of Christ, limitations that we've put on God. And he's going to smash those paradigms and he's going to cause us to think bigger, to think as he thinks. We have the mind of Christ. But we're growing up into these things because there's a yearning, a desire for more of the Lord inside of us. He's drawing us into these encounters. And sometimes those encounters look like you're in a fishing boat in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, and you're getting nowhere. 
and you are scared. And that's a perfect opportunity for God to show himself in a whole new way. Don't feel you're losing your faith because you're surrounded by a storm. Don't, don't for a moment believe the lie of the enemy that says he's winning. That's fake news. It's amazing this war that's playing out at the moment. Both sides are winning. No, no, only one side can be winning. Ne? The enemy wants us to believe that he's winning. Now we read the end of the book. We know that he's not winning. He's just deluding people to think that he's winning. No, God is winning. He's on the throne. Come, let's stand. Can we say, Lord, we're open to you changing our mindsets? Okay, whoa, 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 before we pray. Disclaimer. Big disclaimer. Because often, it's the difficult things in life that cause us to have to undergo a mindset shift. Are you with me? So this is not an easy prayer to pray. It's like the disciples, Lord, increase our faith. He says, no probs, Oaks. Just bring some more problems so that you can be those overcomers. So before we rush in, oh yeah, let's Lord, yeah. Bring on more chaos. It's kind of, okay. What are we, what? Let's pray soberly. Not with emotion, with conviction, with truth, the capital T truth, which always triumphs over small t truth. Our circumstances right now, small truth, it's what we can see, but his truth is a higher truth. So we're going to say, Lord, help. I want to go from glory to glory. I want those limitations to be shaken off so I can step into the next level that I can have a heart and a mind to appreciate what you're doing so that I can go with what you're doing instead of persecuting what you're doing. Because it's always limited mindsets that persecute what God's doing. And some of us have been walking with the Lord for so long we have religious mindsets. God, you can only do this. Uh, that's God, no, that's the devil. It's kind of like, oopsie doopsie. We might have to shake some of those mindsets to be able to say, okay, God, you came in a different form. You did things in a different way, but we recognize it's you. It's not a ghost, it's you. All right, Lord, we walk on the water. Does it make sense? Okay, so with that kind of background, I'm not going to pray your prayer. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. But why don't you say, Lord, take the limitations off my mind. The limitations that I've put on you, 
The limitations are put on faith. The limitations are put on what it looks like for the kingdom to come on the earth as it is in heaven. That we can actually grow more into who we're supposed to be. You can pray that prayer. Okay. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.